Well, good morning. Good morning, church, and welcome to today. A great day to worship, a great day to serve our God and bring glory, I pray, to his name. We're in a great series called Love Everyone Always, and this is such a fantastic series as God is calling us and shaping us and molding us as his disciples, as his followers today in this day and this generation. You know, I love seeing people who love what they do. I love seeing people who just, they have a gift, they have a skill, and they use it in an incredible way. Uh, you know, I love artists or musicians who just, it just flows out of them. Maybe you can think about your favorite band or your favorite musician. You just go, man, they love it. They're so good. Or you think about athletes, you know, who just are really skilled or really great. And, and you just watch them and they're just like, they're having a great time. Or, or you think about teachers. And there's some teachers that are just fantastic they're just awesome. You know, you're like, every kid in school wants that teacher, right? It's just like, they love to teach. It just flows out of them. They love, they love what they do. I, I love so many people here at Rolling Hills and just watching them use their gifts, whether it's worship team or in children's ministry or students or parking or greeters. They're just excited. Uh, this past fall, I had the opportunity um, to go fishing. Now, I'm not like a fisherman, okay? I got to tell you, I didn't grow up going fishing. I grew up playing you know, sports, basketball, baseball, any kind, anything that had a ball. That was me. I was out playing all the side all the time. There's a guy in our church, and he's like talking to me. He's like, hey, yeah, I want to take you fishing. I want to go fishing. And I'm like, ah, I don't know, fishing. Okay. You know, but I've always thought fishing was boring. All right, let me just tell you. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I'm kind of hyper, right? So like, you know, the times I did go fishing, it was like you throw it in. You're like, okay, little bobber, you know, let's go. And, you know, nothing happens. And two minutes later, I'm like, all right, what's next? You know, let's go, let's go do something. And he's like, no, no, it's not like that. And he's like, we're going to go. And so it was like a Friday afternoon. He said, hey, I'll meet you at Center Hill. And we're, we're going to go out there. There were some guys in church that were going. I was like, okay. And he's like, you got to get a fishing license. I'm like, okay, how do I do that? You know, so go online and get my fishing license. And so I go out. It's a Friday afternoon, beautiful day. It's like, meet you out there. I'm like, I got a couple hours. We can, we could do this. It'll be okay. You know, and I'll make it. And sure enough, he comes up and he pulls up like in this boat, like, like a real boat kind of thing, you know, like, and he's got fishing lines all off this boat. Well, I didn't know this. This guy used to be like a professional fishing guide. Okay. Like he knows fishing. And, and I get there and he's like, oh dude, this is not boring. You're going to have a great time. And I'm like, really? Okay. And so sure enough, we get on and he gets out there and he throws the net overboard. He scoops up all these fish. And I'm like, well, that was easy. That was great. You know, like it's perfect. And he goes, no, that's the bait. And I was like, oh, I thought we caught the fish. You know, it's like, that was a pretty good sized fish. You know, like, wow, that's cool. So he puts it in. He's got this thing on his boat. He puts the fish in there. And then we go out and he's got this little radar that shows you where the fish are, you know. And so we go over to where they are. And then all of a sudden, it's like the lines start going crazy. I mean, they're going off in different directions. Everybody's jumping around the boat. We're pulling in these fish. And these are like big fish, you know. And I'm like pulling these fish. And I'm like, this is awesome. I mean, they were like this big. I mean, they were like this big, right? And I, you know, they just kept growing, right? They were, they were stripers. They were mad. I was like, this is fun. I didn't know if it was going to be fun. And we would catch them. We would take pictures with them, right? And then we would release them and send them back to their homes and having a good time. But I thought, man, fishing was so boring. But now I'm with this guy, and it's a whole different deal. And that's what I think happened to the disciples. You know, I think in the Bible times, right, these disciples, they were Jewish. So they grew up going to the synagogue. And I think they were kind of like, okay, come on, you know, like, let's go. Let's speed this thing up. And they're fishermen. They're business guys. They're out doing their thing. But then all of a sudden they meet Jesus. 
And they're like, whoa, wow, this is way different than the religion we grew up with. This is exciting. And Jesus is like, come follow me. I'm going to show you things. You're going to experience things. You're going to be the hands and feet of God Almighty. And they're like, boom, man, this is awesome. Last week, you know, we talked about how Jesus called Matthew and said, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew gets up and he leaves his tax collector job, you know, and he's like, this is incredible. Wasn't what I expected. The first week we saw Jesus told this parable of the Good Samaritan. And, and, and these guys are thinking, man, we hate the Samaritans and the Samaritans hate us. And yet the Samaritan's the hero of the story. And he's meeting needs. He's bandaging this guy. And he's taking this guy and taking care of him. And the disciples are like, whoa, wow, this is awesome. This is where I'm committing my life. This is what I want to be a part of. And they saw the Christian life come alive. And I believe that's what God wants to do in us. And we can just go along with the way of the world, right? We can kind of show up and check a box or we can go, you know what? I'm going to live my life for the glory of God. I want to follow him. And I want to see God do what only God can do. And it happens when you and I get on his agenda and we begin to love everyone always. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Luke, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. It is so good here. Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. I'd love for you to grab one. You can put your name in it. It's yours. You can keep it. Uh, also, we'll put the scripture on the screen. You can follow along with what God's Word has to say. But I just want to read our passage for the day. It's verses 1 through 24, and then I can break it down. If you're taking notes, we'll jump into some notes in just a second here. But pick up here, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says, after this, the Lord, okay, that's Jesus, right? After this, so Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So there's 72 now, right? He had 12 disciples. It's growing. The movement is growing. People are jumping on board saying, hey, I want to follow Jesus. So now he sends out these 72 two by two to all the places he's going. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful. Guys, people are open. People want to hear about me. People are excited. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. <laughs> A lot of people just kind of want to sit on the sidelines. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to get in the game. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! Exclamation point. I love that. He's like, go. Come on, guys. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages, right? People are going to take care of you. People are going to be there for you. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and you are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But... When you enter a town and you're not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it'll be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethesda. Now these are a couple of towns in the Galilee region where Jesus had been and had done miracles, but they didn't really respond. He says, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. Sitting in sackcloth and ashes. 
But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. So Jesus is going, you're going in my name. You know, and if they reject you, they're rejecting me. They're actually rejecting God, the one who sent me. And so these guys go out. They go into their community. They go and begin to serve, to be the hands and feet of Christ. And look at verse 17. The 72 returned with joy. <laughs> they're like, wow, we, we didn't expect this, right? We have joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, what's Jesus talking about there? Well, remember, Satan was an angel at one point, an angel of light, and yet he rebelled against God and his pride and his arrogance. I'm greater than God. And he was kicked out of heaven and he comes down to earth. And, and Satan knows that he can't get to God. So Satan goes after God's children, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So Jesus goes, I was there. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions that overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father. So Jesus prays, right? He's like, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately. So he kind of brings the 12 in, and he goes, hey guys, listen, listen, listen. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. He goes, guys, just think what you're getting to experience. The Holy Spirit has come. You're seeing the kingdom of God move. And there were people in the Old Testament, kings and prophets, they longed to be a part of this. And they didn't get to be a part of it. But they were faithful in their day, but this is your day. And you're getting to see God move. That's Awesome. All right, if you're taking notes, here's some things I'd love for you to, to write down with us today as we continue to grow as his disciples. First of all is this, we must learn to love. We must learn to love. Now if you go back to verse 1 here in, in chapter 10, it says, After this, Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two. After what? Well, go back to Luke chapter 9, okay? Go back to Luke chapter 9. Pick up at verse 51. It says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So Luke chapter 9, I mean, we're only a third of the way into, you know, the gospel of Luke, and he's already heading to Jerusalem, right? It, it's all about his death, his burial, his resurrection. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, like we're on our way to Easter, like everything we're doing right now is building up to Easter, right? So Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, heading to die on the cross for our sins. He's going that way, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago, I told you that the, the Jews and the Samaritans hate each other, 
I mean, they literally do. I mean, they just are, are just terrible with each other. In fact, Jews would literally walk around Samaria when they were going to Galilee. Or if you were in Galilee coming to Jerusalem, you would go a day out of your way so you didn't have to step foot in Samaria. But Jesus goes through Samaria, right? Because Jesus loves all people. So he goes through this Samaritan village and he sends some people there. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading to Jerusalem. So they didn't like him because he was a Jew, right? He's going to Jerusalem, so we're going to be mad at you. And, you know, the Jews are mad at them. Well, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Jesus is like, seriously? Like, guys, what have we been talking about this whole time, right? I mean, what are you thinking? No, 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 that's what they said. These were two of his disciples who said that. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven? And Jesus turned and rebuked them. And then he and his disciples went on to another village. And then you've got this cost to follow Jesus. And it says, after this, the Lord appointed them and sent them out two by two. Jesus is like, you guys aren't ready yet. You're just not. I'm going to go. I'm going to die for your sins. I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to ascend into heaven. And the church is yours. And you're not anywhere close to ready. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some on-the-job training, right? I'm going to send you out two by two. And I'm going to send you out to learn to love. Because we must learn to love. Look at this. Love is a skill. Right? Love is a skill. Sometimes we talk about love like it just happens. You know, I was walking along and I fell in love, right? I mean, it's just like, like I fell in a hole, right? I just fell in love. I mean, I saw them. And it was like love at first sight. And I was just in love, right? I was like, but, it, but it's really not like that. See, you choose to love or you choose not to love. It's a skill. It's a skill. You, you know why we like these performers and these athletes who are so good at what they do? They practice a lot, they get really good at what they do. You know that teacher, they practice a lot. They prepare a ton outside the classroom before they're ever in the classroom. Love is a skill. It's an area where we can grow, where we can become. And that means this, that you can get better at loving. You can get better at loving. It's true. You can get better and you can grow in your relationship with God and your love for Him. You can get better at loving your spouse. You can get better at loving your kids. I don't know a lot of people who make New Year's resolutions and say, hey, this year I'm going to get better at loving. But that would be a great resolution, right? This year I'm going to love my spouse more. I'm going to love my kids more. I'm going to love the people at work more. I'm going to love the people in my neighborhood more. I'm going to get better at loving. Because that's the call that we have on our lives. That's what Jesus What's calling us to do? Now, notice this. Loving people requires boundaries. Jesus goes, you're going to go out. There's going to be some people that are going to be so excited to see you. And you just say, hey, my peace I give you and peace rests on you. It's going to be great. There's going to be people who are open and receptive and want to hear. But there's going to be some people who are going to reject you. And you don't call out fire from heaven. But, man, you, you go out and you shake the dust off your feet and you kind of move on. If you're in a relationship that's bad for you, if you're in a place that you're being ruined, you've got to put some boundaries up. And Jesus was making a way for that. You know, some people stay in a relationship where there's abuse. No. Physical or emotional, stop. 
you got to have some boundaries in there. And Jesus was making that provision. But notice this. Love is dependent on Christ. Love is dependent on Christ. So he sends these guys out. And if you go back to verse 4, he says, Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. What? I, I don't know about you, but I'd be like, uh, wait a minute. Uh, you mean don't take my wallet? <laughs> don't take my credit card? <laughs> Are you sure? Right? No, no. You go out in my name. I'll take care of you. are like, yeah, but I like that little credit card just in case. Right? Just in case there's an emergency. Then I got that. And he's like, be dependent on me. See, a lot of times we think we can buy love. Can't. But it's the love of Christ through us. And as we fall more in love with God, as we spend time with him, as we fall more in love with him, then that's the love that we give to others. Lisa doesn't need to be married to me. She needs to be married to Jesus. <laughs> she needs me to fall more in love with Jesus. She needs me to love her like Jesus loves her her. And that's where I come back to be dependent on the Lord. Dependent on Him because it's only God who can change a heart. It's only God who could change a life. You know, this past week, uh, you like, like me, I mean, we just mourned over what happened in New Zealand. And it's like, I'm so tired of this. And we live in this world of hatred. We live in this world that's broken. We live in this world that needs love desperately. And the love of Christ. And God says, okay, you love. You go out and start loving the people around you and let it spread. Let it spread in our city. Let it spread in our nation. Let it spread throughout the world. So our world needs love. And he says, you love. You love. Here's the second thing. If you're taking notes, it's this. Meet physical and spiritual needs. Meet physical and spiritual needs. If you go to verse Nine, it says, heal the sick who are there and tell them. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible, but if you just underline that word and. Because he says, heal the sick, right? Meet physical needs and tell them. Telling means you have to say something, right? That means you have to speak. That's how you tell something. So you speak, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So there's physical and spiritual needs. And listen, both are important. You know, as Christ followers, we're called to go and be like the Good Samaritan. Go and do likewise. Go and meet physical needs. When you see somebody who's hurting, when you see somebody in need, you can go. You can serve. You can help. When there's somebody at work and they get sick, you can take a meal. When there's a neighbor who's in the hospital, you can mow their yard. You can go and visit them in the hospital. We need to do that. But we also are called to speak. We're also called to meet spiritual needs. If we just meet physical needs, people, all of us are going to die, right? There's, we are all terminal, right? And the mortality rate today, it's 100%. Every one of us, we don't like to think about it, but it is. But there is more to come. And that's where the spiritual comes in, that we see and we love people enough to say, I care about you enough that I want you to know Jesus. I care about you enough that I want you to know the love that God has for you. So we're called and we must learn to engage in spiritual conversations. To engage in spiritual conversations. It, it, many times, guys, it's easier for us just to kind of step back from that and we'll go, we'll just give some money, right? <laughs> we'll give some money to a ministry or to a need, and, but I don't want to have to say anything about Jesus. No, Jesus is like, no, 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 just talk about me. Because there's people of peace that are 
open and ready. There's people who are around you who would say, I want to hear about that. I want to hear about the hope that you have. I want to know what's going on in your heart and your life. I want to know why you're different. I want to know why you live differently than the world. And that's the opportunity for us just to have a spiritual conversation. I don't have all the answers, but I just want to point you to the one who does. With sharing our faith or having spiritual conversations, many times we overcomplicate it. Many times we do. We're, we're, we're like, you know, I know I should pray with my spouse, but I don't know what to say. And I'm nervous. And, and that's okay. But then you sit down and you go, hey, can we, can we pray together before we go to bed? And, and you, you, it's really awkward at first, right? But then you go, well, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? Let's, let's pray for the kids or let's pray for our parents or let's pray for our roommates. And then all of a sudden it starts to just flows. Right? And you pray, and then you end, and then the next time it's easier, the next time. But it's just starting off, and many times we overcomplicate it. But everybody wants to know. There's people at your workplace that are going, I, I want to hear. There's people in your neighborhood, I, I want to know. You know, I love the millennial generation. The millennial generation this year, 2019, will pass boomers as the largest, you know, generation of all time. Right now, they're going to be the largest in 2019. They pass the boomers. And, and here's the thing about the millennials. A lot of times we think, well, the millennials, you know, it's kind of a, you know, this generation. I'm telling you, this generation's passionate. I mean, they, they serve. I mean, they're doing things. They're helping out. And they're making a huge impact and a huge difference. But they also recognize that it's not just meeting physical needs. It's meeting spiritual needs. I saw this on George Barner Research. It says, millennial practicing Christians feel as strongly as other generations that being a witness is part of faith at a rate of 96%. Millennials are like, yes, people need the Lord. <laughs> Look at this. Millennial practicing Christians feel just about as strongly as the best thing that could ever happen to others is to come to know Jesus at a rate of 94%. You know, I love that millennial generation. I mean, they're just like on fire. They're like, yes, we want people to know the Lord. Look at this last one. Millennial practicing Christians feel more confident in their ability to share their faith than other generations. 73% contrasted with lower rates for other generations. Millennials are like, hey, we don't overcomplicate it. People need Jesus. People need love. You know, and it's not I have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. But I just want you to know, I want you to know that I care about you and that God loves you. There's verses you could write down if you, you know, want to write down Romans 3.23 or 6.23 or Romans 5.8 or Romans 10.9 and 10. I mean, there's places you can go and say, hey, here's how to have a relationship with God. But don't overcomplicate it. Somebody's there and somebody's open and have that conversation and step into it because that's love. That's real love. Here's the thing. Live. Live on mission. Live on mission. I, I remember about... Uh, 20 years ago, I went on a mission trip to Rome. And we were in Rome. And, and we were working with refugees that were coming out of Afghanistan. And they were coming, some of them were coming out of the Taliban. And I remember being there, we were by the Colosseum, we had set up and we were giving out food and we were giving out clothes and we were kind of helping there with our mission team from the States and working with missionaries there in Rome. And, and I'll never forget a lot of these guys who were ex-Taliban, they were coming there. And I remember they said through a translator, they would go, we thought you guys hated us. <laughs> and here you are giving us food and giving us clothes. We're like, no, we don't hate you. We love you. We care about you. I mean, there was this, this disconnect. Like they thought we hated them. They thought we hate us. And there was this, no, it's not about hate. It's about love. And that's the call for us is to live on mission. 
for us to look around and see the needs. Remember, Jesus was teaching his disciples. And today, we are his disciples. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, back then, there was Matthew and Peter and James and John. And today, it's Steve and it's Dave and it's Melissa and it's Jessica. And we're the disciples of Jesus today. And I bet if we're all honest, we go, man, sometimes like carnal man, that selfish nature, I kind of go, oh, I'm going to lean over toward that other side. But I've got to learn to love. And I've got a mission and a calling in my life to live like Jesus. Now notice that they didn't go alone. Missions and ministry happen in community. Jesus sent them out two by two. Right? He sent them out two by two. And he goes, you go out in my name, but we don't go alone. We do ministry together. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. That's the incredible opportunity that we have. And the mission really is threefold. It's a threefold mission. One, you pray. It's like, okay, God, here I am. You know, how can you use me in my family? How can you use me in my neighborhood? How can you use me at my workplace? God, just open my eyes. And then you begin to invest. You begin to invest. You, you look around and you say, hey, they're going through a tough time. Maybe I can ask, how can I pray for you? Or, or maybe I can take a meal. Or maybe I can go make a visit. Or, or maybe I can offer an invitation to come over to our house for dinner. Or maybe I could do something simple. Invest. And then you invite. Right? Pray, invest, invite. Hey, come to church with me. And God's doing something great. And I know that things are hard right now in your life, and I'm so sorry. But listen, I'd love for you to come. And God's doing something amazing. And I'd love for you to come be a part that's what these guys were doing. Come meet Jesus. Come find the one who cares about you. Maybe you grew up and maybe you thought church was boring. It's anything but boring. Come and meet the one who's changed my life. You know, today is St. Patrick's Day. So you can kind of look around. If somebody around you doesn't have green on, then you can pinch them. No, I'm just kidding. Right? Wait till after the service. Uh, but but uh, you can do it then. Uh, but, you know, St. Patrick, have you ever thought about this? St. Patrick wasn't even Irish. You know that? St. Patrick was British. Like, go back and study it. Like, St. Patrick was British. Born 400 AD. And when he was 16 years old, he was kidnapped. He was taken from his own house at 16, and he was taken to Ireland as a slave. And he worked as a slave for six years. Six years as a slave. He escaped. Six years later, he went back to Britain. And when he goes back, you know, he starts to pray. And he really rededicates his life to Christ. Like, God, you delivered me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Getting me out of slavery. And for 15 years, man, he just followed God. He trusted God. And God began to break his heart for the people who kidnapped him. And so after 15 years, St. Patrick goes back to Ireland. And, and he would teach the people. He, he would go and he would take a three-leaf clover. And he would say, hey, guys, this is the Trinity right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three separate leaves, right? But it's all one clover. It's God in one. And that's the way he would teach the people. And St. Patrick spread Christianity to all of Ireland. He's accredited with taking the church and, and, and starting the church in Ireland. And so many of the Irish people who came to know Christ were because of the influence of St. Patrick, who went back to people who had enslaved him and captured him. You talk about love your enemies. He did it. So tonight when everybody's out partying, like, woo, 
You know, St. Patrick, he brought Christianity to Ireland. You know, <laughs> I don't know if they're doing that, but you know, <laughs> that's what they really are doing. So it's amazing. But I'm just thinking, that's awesome. That guy was living on mission and just said, hey, I'm going to love people. And he did it. All right, here's the next one. Here's the next one. There is joy in the journey. Guys, there is joy in the journey. I mean, you look here, and it says, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're like, this is awesome. God, we're seeing you do miracles. This is amazing. When you're living in the center of God's will, there will be joy in the journey. You know how I know that? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Christ is in you, love, joy, peace, patience. It doesn't mean that we have it all the time. You know, that that's the goal. That's what we're striving for. And it happens when we're here. It happens when we just say, God, use me. Now, I don't just go to church and get a check mark. I, I want to be involved. I want to be engaged. I want to be used for your glory, God. See, the Christian life is anything but boring. I mean, it really is. This is the most dynamic life because you're being led by the Holy Spirit. Church ought to be the most enjoyable part of your week. I mean, the presence of God, a Savior who died for us, this ought to be a time we come and just worship and go, God, here I am. I can be fully me. I can be authentic and real, and here I am. This is the place where we see God move, and it's when we're doing what Jesus calls us to that we see the miracles that's when we see the miracles happen. There's a guy at our church, and he, he's been here from the beginning. When we had 15 people in an apartment clubhouse, and he goes, you know, Jeff, I never saw miracles before. You know, like, I never wanted to live that involved with like in and out of church, you know. And, and he goes, but now I just see God doing something every week. I see there's joy. I see when people get baptized. I mean, it's just amazing. People are so excited, and they're like, yes, or a parent baptizing their child. I've had the privilege to baptize all three of my daughters. It's like the best ever. I mean, it's just incredible. And when you see a friend come to church and you see them get involved, or when you are using your gifts and you're teaching and children or students and you're watching them come alive, or you're using your gifts in worship or tech, or you're, you're serving with other believers, and you're like, this is what God called and created me to do. And the joy of the Lord becomes your strength, becomes your passion. Yes. And then here's the last one. Hey, live with confidence. Guys, live with confidence. I love how Jesus, these guys are so fired up, and they're saying, Jesus, let this happen. You can imagine all the stories going, we went to this town, and this person came to know Christ. We went to this town. I mean, they're just going on. And he says, whoa, 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 whoa. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He goes, guys, if you're going to rejoice about something, rejoice that you've got eternal life. You can live with confidence because of that. I mean, what could happen in this world? I mean, our eternity is secure. Perseverance of the saints, right? He has already paid the price for us. We don't serve God to earn our salvation, but because we are saved. We're not just trying to run, you know, a race and go, oh, maybe I'll be good enough one day. No, we are already saved, and therefore we get to serve out of an overflow of what God's already done in our life. If you are in Christ, your name is in the book of life. God has saved you. Boy, that ought to give you confidence today. That ought to give you some joy today. That ought to put some pep in your step today, because I'm telling you, it's only God who can change a heart. 
and God broke into your life. When you were dead in your sins and your transgressions, God made you alive in Christ. And there is such freedom in this. Now, it's not our job to go out and, and win everybody, right? Our good job is just simply to be the hands and feet of Christ. It's God who changes a heart. It's God who moves in people's lives. Our call is simply to be obedient to Jesus and to love everyone always. And guys, when you're living out your faith, you know what happens? I love this. It says, at that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus just starts high-fiving. I'm like, woo, way to go. You guys, you're back. That's awesome. I knew it. I knew it. You know, James and John, those two guys who said, hey, let's call down fire on that Samaritan village. Later on in life, after being with Jesus, here's what John writes in 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. He writes this many years later. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. (laughs) You think John learned to love? (laughs) Oh, yeah. By the end of his life, it's like, let's love, let's love, let's love. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in your heart, your soul, and your spirit, but I want you to know this. There is a God who loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son who went to a cross, who died the most painful death. But what held him on the cross wasn't nails. What held him on the cross was his love for you. That the price should be paid so that you could have eternal life with God. God loves you. And because he loves you, he calls you. And he wants to use you for his glory. So how are you doing at love? How are you doing at loving your spouse? How are you doing at loving your kids? How are you doing at loving your roommates? How are you doing at loving the people at work? How are you doing loving the people in your neighborhood? How are you doing loving even your enemies? It's all about love. Because God is love. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. But I know God's here. The evidence is all around. The evidence of changed lives. It's only God who could do that. And maybe right where you sit, you just say, God, come. I feel like my heart, there's bitterness or there's worry or there's fear. You know what the Bible says? Perfect love drives out fear. Instead of focusing on the fear, focus on God. Love Him. Maybe today you need to choose to love there's some people around you it's just difficult today you just go I'm going to choose it I'm choosing love right now I'm choosing love in my family I'm choosing love in my marriage I'm choosing love so Father God come we are your disciples today and God we got a long way to go I'm kidding 
But Father, we want to be people of love. We want to love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. It starts there. I pray today salvation would come, Father. If there's any here today who don't know you, who confess, repent, and turn back to you. I pray, Father, today, if there's any here who need to be baptized, that would take that step and say, yes. I pray today, Father, if there's any who need to go to somebody and say, listen, forgive me. I want to love you and love you well. Father, grow us as your disciples. Grow us as people of love. And bring joy into the journey. Bring joy into our homes. Bring joy to our marriages. Bring joy, Father, into our lives. And let us be your disciples today. For your name and for your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.